What is up, everyone? Welcome to Artistic Play Network, episode four. This is the show where we take a look at the creative side of video games, for example, the story, script, art style, or sound. I am Benjamin Abbott. I'm your host. I am joined by Future Radio contributor Ben Fox. Good evening. Thanks for having me. And sorry if I cough a lot. I'm, I'm not well. Oh, okay. We'll let you off. And Ready Up writer Sean Greenhalf. So, what I want to start off with is a question. When is a game not a game? This is kind of bouncing off of Beyond Two Souls, which was released earlier this month. Kind of very divisive. Got some really great reviews, really bad reviews. And a lot of the complaints were that it wasn't interactive enough. Where do you... Because, Sean, you've been you've been playing that recently. Where do you stand on that? Uh, I Honestly, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you where I stand. Cause oh, really? I... I literally have no idea what is currently going on it's all right what i what i, what I think he's doing is like remember yeah. we, ages ago we saw that picture of him with the script at like cans or something being a dick okay david cage, <laughs> yeah david cage okay. so i go look at my film over here yeah and it's yeah. like i think he actually dropped the script that day and then like <laughs> he, he had all these pages and he just kind of put them in and that's how the game was released in that order yeah, you just just put them in in any old order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, Ben, you're being quite gracious about it, really. You've been saying for goodness knows how long that David Cage is not the um, the gift to game writing <laughs> that he sometimes says he right. is. Uh, and now it's starting to look like actually you had a really valid point. Well, yeah, and I, and I did kind of... I remember you, you bring this up on Twitter. And at the yeah. time, I, I, I did say I actually wanted this to be good because yeah. I know Sean feels this way. I think... In that he is trying to put the narrative first, there is some good intention. I mean, at the time, I actually argued the counter with Sean, but I, now I've thought about it, I do agree there is some good intention with what he tries to do. He, his just execution has always been rubbish, and especially <laughs> now. And I, I, I think he people did complain about the heavy rain story in retrospect, yeah, yeah. and he took he, he learned absolutely no lessons. I mean, I, to be fair, I haven't played Blick Beyond, so I can't judge it on that level. But the fact you know sean corroborates the story that's pretty much you know everywhere as far as i can tell the story yeah. is kind of all over the place at best yeah i kind of feel why didn't you just imply employ some bloody writers at least to come in and at least read it over it feels to me a bit like a george lucas you know yeah. all over again and that he's just been let free to do whatever the hell he likes and it's now a convoluted mess not even worth examining <laughs> exactly um, exactly the, but, uh, the worst part is the writing itself isn't bad yeah, it's just you can't follow it because there is the first half hour of the game. I swear to God, I jumped around mm. around about fifteen times in the timeline. Yeah, and it, it's not you know how most things you jump around the timeline. There'll be yeah. three distinct or so timelines. Yeah, it's like they, uh, I think the example I used last time when with whoever it might be Ben, I was talking about uh, Firefly out of gas. Yeah, where it's got the three distinct timelines jumping around. You've got the kind of middle timeline showing what happens. You've got the present timeline showing you what's going on now. And then you've got the, like the past showing you how everyone met. Yeah. And you can actually follow all three just by jumping between them. Yeah. Because there's three distinct stories going on all linked together. Yeah, exactly. Beyond, there doesn't seem to be any kind of cohesive, separate... There's bits, there's scenes, there's just yeah. things throwing against the wall here. Well, isn't one of the problems that Ellen Page is quite a young-looking person anyway, and you kind of <laughs> you kind of feel as of age sixteen, she probably hasn't changed an awful lot. So when you're looking when you're looking at pretty much her entire life, 
is it a bit difficult to ascertain simply from the way she appears how old she is? They've actually managed to pull it off knowing whereabouts in the timeline she is about how she looks. Like, obviously, All right. They, they, obviously, there's Little Girl Ellen Page, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a Little Girl, you can tell it's Little Girl Ellen Page. Then you can kind of tell Awkward Teen Ellen Page. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Then punk you, haircut. <laughs> I haven't quite got to the punk haircut yet. All right. but you can still kind of tell, you can tell it's Teenage Ellen yeah. Page. Then you can tell post-CIA, kind of late teens, early 20s, Ellen Page, and then there's CIA Ellen Page. <laughs> then okay. there's uh, no pre I pre CIA and then post CIA Ellen Page. Yeah. And but you can you can tell where you are. You just don't know what's going on or why. And <sighs> and, and I stopped caring. Well, to to me, even though because the thing is, I kind of as Ben said, and I think I'm not alone. I don't want to stand up and say I'm the only critic of David Craig because I'm mm. not, and I'm sure my opinions formed by just listening to others. But um, the problem I have with this game on paper, considering what I've heard, isn't really that the story's a bit shit, So I was kind of expecting that. It's the fact that he was promising on additional levels of interaction with the whole yeah. real-time, well, real-time-esque combat system, which didn't really pan out. And I think, you know, for all of Heavy Rain's faults, there was some interaction there. There were some choices. There were different endings. And uh, and I, I felt like if he'd taken, pushed that a, a step further, I would say, right, fine, David Cage, you can't write for anything. But you've actually you've you've got a filmic experience where you're actually controlling it, you know, some with some level of depth. And it sounds to me like he's taken a giant leap back, backwards as far as that's concerned. Is that true, Sean? Yes, completely. It's right. heavy rain. Like all the choices you could make would affect the storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the, the, there were scenes where you could actually fail and characters would die and whatnot. Totally, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In this, if you fail, then the ghost spirit thing, Aiden. I want to say his name is, but at the, yeah. at the point I am, I've stopped caring at this point. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going through now looking for Willem Dafoe to pop back up. Because yeah. He's criminally underused, but all these scenes are genius. Because, uh. uh, but, you know what? I, I care so little at the minute. I've even forgot what my point was. I was trying to make. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the, the, ghost person, the ghost person, the ghost person, either Ellen Page just gets back up because she's fallen down, or ghost Aiden comes in and heals her and yeah. it, it continues on. There's no deviation. It sounds to me, if it's boring, I mean, that's kind of the worst narrative sin possible. Yeah, it's absolutely. like, David, like, like, I question David Cage, but I, you know, Fahrenheit's a mental game. It goes absolutely, jumps the shark more than anything I've ever seen towards the end. But it, it kind of kept me engaged. It was entertaining. Similarly, of Heavy Rain, yeah. utter mess. But there was there were some engaging things. If he's now not writing competently and not even dragging you in with its kind of stupidity, then it's like, you. Just go away. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Originally, I wanted to know what was going on. Okay. Then there was just so many different things I was trying to keep track of. Like, you know, there's little girl on page with her yeah. imaginary friend. Yeah. And her parents are a little scared. Then you, I jumped forward and all of a sudden I'm in a CIA training montage. Oh, hang on, now I'm at a birthday party and these kids are being mean to me. Yeah. Uh, now, now I'm on the run from the police with no apparent reason why. I've slaughtered a SWAT team. Oh, okay. I mean, especially because you don't seem to have... It would kind of make sense if the flashbacks were there for a specific reason to kind of expand upon the current story. But if it's just, you know, from that, that seems to be the consistent thing that everyone's saying is it's throwing you around without really giving you a reason as to why you're there. It's just saying, oh, I want to show you this bit now. It's kind of like an excitable puppy who just doesn't know what he wants to focus on. <laughs> um, and... 
I mean, that's that's I, I think you were right, Ben, when you were talking about Heavy Rain, saying that although it was flawed and that that plot had so many flaws, I mean, yeah, kind of the central conceit at the beginning is never answered. And the kind of the whole twist toward the end is holes you can drive a train through. Yeah, yeah it, it's just nonsensical. But at the same time, there was a lot of tension in, you yeah. know, are you going to get the characters to the other side? Um, <laughs> whereas I suppose with this one, I mean, certainly from again, I've, I've not really sort of played played it either so there's only so much i can comment on but from everything i've seen kind of seen quite a lot of footage even if you do fail um it it just writes itself a little bit further down the line it's just a tiny deviation bringing you back to where you should have been um and i I suppose it's a case of because certainly the ign review and a lot of others have said that it just doesn't have very much interactivity to it like you were saying with the choices so do you think this actually would have almost, and this is something else people have been saying a lot of, is do you think it should have been almost a movie instead rather than an actual game? Do you think it would have benefited from being a Sounds film? Sounds like it would have been quite a shite movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, a shite eight-hour movie, which just doesn't <laughs> stop. Just keep right, If you cut it down to two and a half hours, put it in order, and then it could have been interesting. Yeah. Right. So there is some gleaming hope in there somewhere, is there? Somewhere, you just need to find it. Yeah. Yeah. So do we think, I mean, I think, Ben, you said something really interesting when we were talking about it on Twitter, is that, that Cage needs someone to, to point him in the right direction. He needs someone yeah. to kind of to go through his work and say, OK, look, let's get rid of that. That's not doing anything. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, I mean, something that Cage has always been banging on about is how fiction in games needs to be more mature and you need to have all of the feels when you're you know sort of in in combat and uh, he was talking about i think fps's at one point saying that that would be make a really interesting game trying to to sort of focus on the consequences of war and the kind of morality uh but that seems to be i mean sean that seems to be the irony of beyond is that actually he's talking about all this stuff but then he has something which is really very big sci-fi childish block block yeah okay that, that's another way of putting it to be honest because again i think sean to me you said before is that it does have those sort of small intimate moments which really work well but and, and that that is again something that a lot of reviews have said and then you've got the big blockbuster moments which just i think uh, a really great uh quote and i'm sort of paraphrasing here but from metro's review i think they said something like it just gets really really ludicrous at points well, well, that, that kind of mirrors the kind of response to Fahrenheit then, because that was really? kind of fine. And then it just... Have you played Fahrenheit? No. <laughs> it was fantastic. You haven't, you sure? Yeah, it's like, it's fine, 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 fine. What in God's name is going on? <laughs> it kind of almost like he just goes bored now and just yeah, starts exactly. going crazy. It's great. Uh... <laughs> so, but, right, so, Sean, do, do you agree that it handled those tiny personal uh, one-to-one emotional in quotation marks moments did it do that somewhat well did right well then yeah well then fair play to him because i mean he did come up on stage for that ps3 conference and say look this is the technology everyone went mate it's not about technology if you can't provide the writing if he has provided the writing to make some emotional moments then you know fair enough to him he like i said he just needs someone to rein in the big picture there's all the emotional moments the only problem is It'll cut straight away from it to all of a sudden I'm riding a motorbike through yeah. a police, literally through a police blockade. Uh, yeah, yeah. Using yeah, like a magic it. ghost shield or something. <laughs> 
it, yeah. yeah, I, mean, I suppose the. I mean, do we think Cage is being a little bit elitist at this point? It's it's almost like certain directors where they'll they'll go off and say they want to they they're auteurs they want something that's really meaningful and not. He's actually called himself the the auteur of video games. Uh, really, yeah. really, that's an actual thing he said. Yeah. Oh, good lord! Uh, I'm sure he crossed that line when he turned up during the beginning of Fahrenheit himself. Is that what he said? To to explain the game to you. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Ben, sorry, you're in the middle of a question. <laughs> no, it's fine. I was just saying, do we think he's uh, actually just being elitist? And do do we think actually sort of game fiction does need to, to kind of, I suppose, mature as much as he seems to think it does? Or do we think it's actually fine as it is? I think it's, it's gradually going that way anyway. And I think we've yeah. got some fine and better examples of a maturing medium in that sense. Yeah, um, yes. So like I say, I kind of feel, you know, as far as his intentions are concerned, broadly, fine, put the yeah. narrative first, make it, you know, somewhat mature and complex and, you know, evocative, whatever. But at the same time, it is kind of weird when you come out and, and then don't provide the example or the lead when yeah. you believe yourself to be in that position. So I guess it, it is elitist, but I don't think his intentions are necessarily that i just no. think the way that he, he presents himself the way he presents his games as being at the forefront of it that's what makes me uncomfortable and that's where he needs to kind of look inwards a bit more and yeah maybe perhaps consider his work in the in the larger scheme uh, you know a, a bit more comprehensively i mean can you have that really deep character development in action heavy games for instance uh, or is that just sort of a genre that just doesn't suit it does it have to be something like beyond or can you have a really meaningful story in something like for instance call of duty oh we're getting there with spec ops yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good example yeah i think there's there's potential in every genre to have um compelling narrative yeah it, it is just about approaching it on, on a in a certain way and uh I, I doubt there are really any broad themes we can draw beyond that because no, it's just going to no. be up to the game whatever happens in the future happens and i think as i say as as a whole movement, there have been more and more interesting, nuanced stories coming out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of think um, oh, like every example should be taken, you know, as it is. And Cage needs to look at his own a bit more carefully. Where do Quantic Dream and David Cage go from here? Uh, honestly, I think maybe even a step backwards. Yeah. Um, I I think, as I said, Heavy Rain was a good template. I thought, in theory, to move on from from. Um, yeah. And he needs to go back, look at what was done well, simply mechanically, because there were some things that were done well mechanically in that game. Yeah. I went through all of it. I, I've done every single ending. I've platinumed that game. Really? I've seen wow. every bit of content. And there were there was a lot of variety and a lot of kind of diverging paths. He needs to go back, look at that, say, this is what we did well. We even did elements of it well in Fahrenheit. Retain these, get some writers on board, and I think he'll be on to a winner. I think if he just could garner the, as much respect for his actual stories as, as he kind of feels they deserve, uh, I think he, he could produce something compelling. That's why it annoys me so much, because yeah. I did really enjoy Fahrenheit back in the day, even though I was young, and looking at it now, it is a mess. <laughs> um, I think he, he has potential, and his intentions are in the right place, yeah. um, and I, I think there is future for the company. They just need to look at, because I mean, Thankfully, it seems this time, even though Beyond has reviewed generally quite well, it seems that reviewers are actually beginning to pick up on it and not get blown away by his whole, you know, image and uh, projection. Of, and the fact that it's different doesn't necessarily mean that it's brilliant. Um, no, no. I'm glad that reviewers are finally picking up on that. So in theory, he can now take take the response from Beyond and, and, and go somewhat back to the drawing board and bring us something with a team of writers that, um, that does, does his own vision some justice.
Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a really good point. Is that it's, it almost feels like he needs someone above him saying, okay, this, this is this is where you should go. <laughs> I was because I was I was going to say perhaps a really good format for them to release games in the future would be kind of episodes, small episodes yeah. like The Wolf Among Us and The Walking Dead. Obviously, mm-hmm. the The Wolf Among Us has you know come out sort of earlier this month. Uh, I think the next episode is going to be November at some point. Have we uh, have we dived into that yet? I'm still um, only like half hour in. Really? Yeah. How how could you how could you stop half an hour in? Because I personally, I mean, I might be being a bit controversial here, but I personally think the first episode of The Wolf Among Us is better than the first episode of The Walking Dead by uh, so a comfort- far, definitely, yeah. yeah, by a comfortable distance. I mean, just because of, I mean, it's it's a far harder sell. I mean, it's fairy tales living in New York and you have to look after them rather than zombie apocalypse. I mean, that's kind of pretty easy to, to kind of sell people on, whereas this one is a little bit harder. Um, what, I mean, Sean, what do you think works so far about it? What What's actually, is has anything hooked you in yet, like it did with The Walking Dead, say with Clementine? It's a, it's a noir murder mystery, and I'm all about that shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, certainly with it seems really engaging because of I think the way it takes those genre tropes and then kind of twists them a little bit. It, it kind of obviously you do have the bizarre nature of having the three little pigs, or at least one of them, staying over at your flat. And you've got, say, uh, Beast and Beauty and and that kind of thing. It's just absolutely crazy. And then you've got the... It, it's kind of a really nice play on traditional kind of fairy tale, you know, fairy tale stories. Say, like, the woodsman is actually now a massive drunk. Um, and, you know, the big bad wolf is actually the good guy. So, I mean, have you come across any of the, the mo- big moral choices yet? Uh, not yet. Well, there might have been one involving the huntsman okay yeah yeah can't remember yeah it's i have never it's it's one of those games where i want to sit down and enjoy it yes i just haven't had the time to really sit down and get into it yet so i haven't really touched it yeah no exactly it definitely i think warrants warrants that i mean how how did you find the action scene in that one it was i enjoyed it it was better than most of the action scenes in the walking dead yes there was there was a kind of immediacy and intensity to it Yes, exactly. I mean, especially with how, I mean, it was the same kind of system, isn't it, where you've got the cursor, you've got to try and get it over a circle, and then you've got to press a particular button. But because it's all moving so fast, and it's kind of, it's really desperate, and you you don't really know what button's going to come up, and you're sort of almost fighting against the system to get your cursor where it should be. Um, So I found that really kind of exciting. But certainly going back to moral choices, what makes a good moral choice? Uh, a good moral choice would probably mm. be one where both answers are right. Okay, so so or yeah, both answers are wrong. Oh, but both answers are wrong. Yeah, both answers are wrong. You get the easy way out of the lesser evil. Yeah, I guess. but when when both answers are right. Yeah, that, that that for me, when both answers are right, is a little harder than when both answers are wrong. Because when both answers are wrong, you can always the the, the lesser evils. It's like yeah. it's 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 a weird way of saying because yeah. there's not always going to be an obvious lesser evil. I think a, a better way is like uh, you know say what a good moral choice isn't, and that's binary, which is for yes. some reason how it's been attempted yeah. um, yeah. in video games for the last few years. I think yeah, the great as I've said loads of times on this podcast before, a good moral choice has grey areas, and I think we're yeah. beginning to see that more and more. 
exactly i mean i suppose it's we need less of the kind of mass effect styles who would you like yeah. to sleep with more um and more kind of i mean that's something i felt the wolf among us did quite well while the moral choices didn't necessarily have as big an impact as the walking dead did and for instance they didn't kind of i'm not sure how much they actually changed the outcome i i don't know whether if you chose the other angle what would what would change i don't i don't think a huge amount would but it felt less obvious where i kind of want to go from there is should we be striving to be like cinema because obviously a lot of games they kind of hold that up as the pinnacle of storytelling is being more cinematic and being more um i suppose like that traditional kind of cinematic form should should games be trying to be like that uh the answer is is yes and no, I guess, in that I okay. think there is value in games striving for that, and I think games there will be games that improve as they strive towards that, but at the yeah. same time, in no way would I want the entire medium to to look at that as the um, no. pinnacle or the aim because the you know the the joy of video games is the variety conceptually um, yeah exactly so and, and you know for, from some of these early filmic kind of games there's some interesting stuff and i think it's as valid a reason to create a game yeah. as any other but just so long as it doesn't dwarf the rest of them i'm kind of cool yeah no i think that's that's fair enough i suppose to to finish off with telltale uh the walking dead season two they were sort of giving some brief details uh, literally just now um sort of when we we're recording it just went live where they're saying that apparently we're going to be playing as clementine as that that seems to be what they're they're saying on the press release is that it's going to be we're going to be playing as clementine and kind of trying to survive against the living and the dead sort of uh, i suppose using um what you've learned in season one so where would we like season two to go now sean I know you're sort of as big a fan of that as I was. So where, what would you like it to do in the next season? What would be the ideal season two of Walking Dead? The ideal for me would be that Clementine finds a nice, happy place to live out the apocalypse. Because <laughs> honestly, that little girl's been through far too much already. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Dude, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she's been through a lot. It's it's mm. just horrible, horrible stuff. Um, I mean, do you, do you think actually it would be nice to have... Uh, obviously not not gonna go into spoilers here but do you think we should have a completely new set of survivors that perhaps she is interacting with or i think we're gonna have to have a new set but the 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 can't not address season one yeah no that i think that's that's a very good way of putting it uh especially with certain developments that uh, that's just begging for to be kind of explored later uh i and obviously if we are playing as clementine uh do you think it, that will actually lessen some of the moral choices you've got to make because suddenly you're not the leader anymore of think, a group i think one of the biggest things about the moral choices in the first game was yeah. you weren't making them for yourself you were making them for clementine okay so i know at least for me that was it i was always looking yeah, at all yeah. the choices on do how, how is this going to affect clem absolutely like being that father figure in that in season one it's i'm pretty sure i said this on a podcast way back it's it's the only time i've ever felt like paternal love for something yeah <laughs> tragic yeah no well to be fair i suppose it kind of it did give a sense of because it, th- this is a child that you are completely responsible for and although it does sound ridiculous 
she was so well acted that you could believe that she was a child. Uh, I think the voice actress is actually older than us, isn't she? She's, yeah, I think yeah. she is. And that's that's crazy. And you're like, what? No, she's like a little girl. How How is that? No, that's that's impossible. Um, do, you, do you think Telltale took any influence from The Last of Us, giving Clementine the control in the new season? Do you think that was an influence at all? I don't think so. I think because Clem being younger, and certainly the, the teaser trailer they had was of her kind of running away from zombies mm. so i think there's going to be i don't think she will be not hunting the, rifling them no no exactly and i think <laughs> it's going to be more a case of fear induced by you not being able to necessarily fight back as much as you'd like to be able to i mean say with right. lee in season one you could legitimately pick up a massive chunk of wood and stave their heads in. Whereas with Clem, that just isn't possible anymore. Uh, and I suppose it is a really, really interesting way of, of looking at that kind of zombie apocalypse situation where usually we are kind of in the shoes of a survivor who really can handle themselves and who has to learn how to, I suppose, how to survive in that situation. Whereas Clem, it's we've never seen anything from, as far as I'm aware, from the angle of a child. Uh, we've never seen it from their point of view, which is is going to be really interesting, especially with the moral choices. I don't know whether you're going to be more of a moral compass to perhaps any survivors you come across saying, you know, perhaps I think this is what we should do. And, and there's the struggle of should they listen to you because you're a child? Uh, so I think that should be really, really interesting. Um, now, Batman Arkham Origins and Assassin's Creed uh, out over the last few days uh, Assassin's Creed for Black Flag Ye- both I suppose uh, yearly installments because Assassin's Creed definitely is Batman is kind of going that way isn't it yeah. where it seems to want to be out annually do we think that actually those yearly installments rely more on their story if say for instance the gameplay hasn't moved on a huge amount now that's a, that's a little bit awkward with assassin's creed because i'd say the gameplay has made a bit of a jump but anyway is what it is do you think do you think they rely more on their story if they're annual releases not with batman really okay explain give us give us terrible really (laughs) good lord why it's oh it's it's fan fiction is what that story is really okay let's take batman yeah let's get all these people that they just happens to meet for the first time on this one night. Okay. Yeah, it just looks like Rogue's Gallery, the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, oh, it's like you meet the Joker for the first time. It's like, oh, foreshadowing. Uh, yeah. I mean, especially with, I mean, at least in Arkham Asylum, you were in the asylum where all the villains are locked up. So there's a legitimate reason to kind of meet all of them. And I suppose in Arkham City, same reason. You've got sort of. Uh, almost a you know massive cityscape prison where you they're all running around so it, there is a reason for you to to come across them but if it, it seems a bit contrived to have i mean the whole sort of plot idea of there's eight assassins going after batman hmm. seems i i don't know for me that just that isn't a very good hook because well, I, is, yeah yeah go on sorry no i was, I was just gonna say you know we know batman's gonna survive we know batman's yeah. gonna make it out the other side so i'm not really sure where the conflict is there I also think the the um the variety of the I don't know how it works out in Origins, but the variety of the enemies, there were a lot of people in there, but they're also kind of a lot of them were incidental, um, procedural, and just for you to discover, as opposed to yeah. the key driving plot was with the Joker, and that kind of kept things going. Yeah, and I never felt necessarily on a narrative level overwhelmed by everything because it wasn't consistently chucking things in my face. Whereas if on a conceptual level, this is literally Batman 
here are eight of his his enemies. They're just out to kill you. That's it. Then yeah, I Pretty agree. Much. It's kind of kind of contrived and boring. Yeah, I mean, Sean, do you do you find it, it does feel like it's been crowbarred in there, where they're just desperately trying to get as many villains in as possible, rather than it being evolving organically out of a story idea they had? Do you think it's kind of almost gone? Okay, we need lots of villains in there, and they've come up with a story based around that, rather than the other way around. I think the main problem here is the feeling I get mm-hmm. is they've had to end up rushing the story here to get it okay. out this year. Yeah, it's it's. I, I kind of like the idea. It was like, oh, you know, here, the, the Batman's new. It's, he's, a lot of people just refer to him as the Bat. Yeah. And, yeah, there's, well, Black Mask, he's getting a bit pissed off, so why wouldn't he put a bounty on the Bat? Yeah. It's like, hey, just get rid of him. You've got a night to do it. There's a bounty on his head. But then it's just like, oh, by the way, he's he's an enemy. You're having a fight. No, he's disappeared for a while. Now, this enemy's planting bombs. Go defuse the bomb. Oh, no, hang on, hang on, no. That, 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 that's something over there. Go look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, hang on. He's something else. So go look at that. Okay. Oh, ha- hang on. There was a story, wasn't there? <laughs> no, don't be silly. Um, I mean, I, it always felt like a bit of a shame that they didn't go back to, because they made a big thing about this being year two of Batman's career. Um, and it almost seems a bit silly not to go to year one because i mean certainly i i would have thought surely there's more story to be told because you can kind of mess about with the status quo a bit more you can mess about with what people expect a little bit more batman isn't the kind of the batman we know say when he first starts out you could really have some interesting juxtaposition with the batman sort of we have in arkham asylum he's very cool and composed uh and especially if you're going yeah. with origins as the name yeah exactly to not tell an origin <laughs> yeah exactly it's not, and as far as i'm aware it doesn't actually does it have arkham in there at all there's a mention of it because <laughs> right at the beginning of the game okay black gate prisons where most people are kept yeah and then there's a breakout okay. and then quincy sharps on a news report somewhere going whoa we need to open this asylum yeah put all the crazies in Okay, so presumably this is going to be this is the event that leads to Arkham Asylum being erected. Yeah, technically, the name's correct. This is Arkham's origin. Uh, well, yeah, right. well, oh, okay, that's, that's yeah, that, that's that's fair enough. Um, I mean, especially with it, there, it seems like there could have been a lot of opportunity to mess about, especially with the relationship between Batman and the GCPD. Uh, and kind of because obviously we know that they end up working together and whereas this one they've got an un- uneasy relationship but it, it feels like uh, from everything i've seen so far and what i played at you know sort of uh Eurogamer and all the footage we've seen online of him storming the gcpd it feels like it's a very traditional they don't like each other at first and then they realize they have to work together kind of thing it just the uh, main problem with the gcpd at the minute is that literally every cop apart from gordon is crooked right okay that's what that's what seems to be everyone's like because they're all trying to kill batman for the bounty now as well Ah. for some reason right okay so and the thing that i kind of keep thinking is why does batman if 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 they if they're all out to kill him why does he not just hide in his cave <laughs> why why is he out that, there risking that's his death? literally something alfred says in the game really is yeah, he, he, he literally goes oh well why don't you just stay here and have christmas dinner and wait it out yeah that's yeah, a... is there, so is there anything he needs is he trying to save something or is he literally just inexplicably hanging around waiting to get assassinated and then hopefully <laughs> taking out everybody yeah, yeah. It, his excuse is that they'll just do things to try and draw him out uh, 
towards yeah. you know, Alfred seems to have some genuinely good arguments here. He keeps <laughs> yeah. saying, "Just wait it out." Or yeah. it's like, oh, there was there's a like, it's not spoilers. It's like this this is scene with Barbara, which is you know yeah. foreshadowing Batgirl, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah, and Batman's going on Alfred about, oh, you know, I've told her to like stay away and go and do something with whatever elsewhere, and Alfred's like. It's not that you don't want people helping you. It's just that you want to be the only one doing good, isn't it? Oh, that's that's yeah. That, that see, it would be really nice if they took those ideas and really ran with them in the story and made actually that a really big part of the story. That would be yeah quite interesting. I think actually it's there's a really like, interesting discussion to be had there. There are hints there that the story was going to be great, but it just feels like it ended up being rushed and half of it cut. Right, okay. And one of the problems I seem to be having as well is the fact that this is, like, year two of Batman. This is yeah. years before Asylum and City. Isn't it something like five years before Asylum happens or something, something apparently? Like. Yeah. Is it, is it, are you going to say that he's got inc- superior technology in everything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as far as I'm aware, isn't yeah. it something where in City it makes a point of saying, oh, this new technology that you've just designed is ready, Yeah. The, except the, the he's still thing. got it. Yeah. The only thing that you shoot off off ledges is yeah. prototype, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. then on Origins, he's got it anyway. And you go, well, hang on, wait. wait. <laughs> he starts the game with it. Yeah, and isn't it something where they do say that it, this is meant to be a raw Batman? This is a Batman who's not as refined, whose combat is not as elegant, except they've used exactly the same <laughs> combat animation. So he looks Except he's identical. better because and now he... He's yeah. doing like multiple counters where he's countering three hits off a martial artist. Or, <laughs> yeah. or he's managing to. He, he, he fist fights uh, Deathstroke? Dead, dead... That's the one, Deathstroke. Dead, yeah. Deathstroke. yeah, Deathstroke. The one that I keep confusing with Deadpool. Yeah. Because they're the same character. <laughs> but uh, he's, fighting De- he's fighting Deathstroke. Yeah. Who has swords and he's, like, he's countering them like, perfectly using his armor and things. Mm. See, and I, I always felt that actually the Origins armor looks more high tech than the Asylum and City armor. Yeah. Then there's the fact that I'm pretty sure City had a plot point where he couldn't like get in or out of the city, and the Batcave was inaccessible or something. Yes, and it seems to be on an island off the shore, and he can fast travel to and fro willy nilly. Because I think in in City there was something about the Joker's planning something, so he has to stay inside. And once he's over the, the wall, I don't think he can get back. Um, he literally grapples into midair and gets <laughs> on the back wing to travel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So do we think, actually, this was a mistake? It should have been a sequel. It just sounds sloppy It and should lazy. have been a sequel and taken a couple of years. Yeah. Because yeah. oh, City even had hints about a sequel with... Um, yeah. yeah, but I think that's what Rocksteady's working on, because this wasn't Rocksteady. This was yeah. Ubisoft Montreal. No, no, Warner, Warner Brothers, Brothers Montreal. Yeah. That's the one, yeah. Because um, as far as I'm aware, wasn't there a tweet that Kevin Conroy did where he says he's been working on the new Arkham game with Rocksteady? Oh, I haven't seen that. I hope so, though. Yeah, I no, I'm, I'm sure he said that at one point, and then suddenly everything went quiet because obviously he wasn't supposed to say that. You know, because yeah. I presume he wasn't supposed to reveal he'd been working on the next game. I mean, that would make sense for this almost B team to be doing uh, sort of side stories and then for the main team, Rocksteady, to be moving on and doing sort of the continuation of 
you know that universe and seeing where it yeah. goes from there and obviously they did hint at kind of justice league involvement and that kind of thing where they were mentioning metropolis and arkham city and that kind of stuff but um i mean have you guys tried moving on to assassin's creed have you guys tried assassin's creed yet well, no, I really no. wanted it. Yeah, yeah. I get paid tomorrow. I'm going to go buy it. Yeah, exactly. What what draws you in about it? Because this is uh, again it's another annual franchise. Yeah, exactly. So, what's the difference between, say, something like this and Batman? From what it, you've from pirates, pirates. Yeah, yeah, conceptually different, which is interesting. Even if it is kind of a setting and a gloss, it is uh, I think that is different enough. Um, yeah, they've actually gone like, especially with Black Flag. It's like here. Well, ships are now an entirely big part. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's like our main game is now ships and pirates. It looks yeah. like a legitimate evolution of what we yeah. had in 3 and, and previous. Absolutely. Um, well, and, and Batman it, is literally the same game. Yeah. How long has it been since 3, do you know? Is uh, it, a yeah? year. It's just a year? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean there's an example then of, of a studio taking something and actually managing to evolve it in yeah. a short space of time. Because that genuinely looking at the, I mean, I was asked to write a piece for Metro a couple of days ago where they're saying, you know, things to be excited about Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And I was like, well, I, I, at first I was like, I have no idea. I've not been following this game at all. I really wasn't that interested. And then I started looking at it, say, looking at the completely seamless world where you can sail your ship, jump off at any point and then yeah. dive you know into the water and swim to an island or something that kind of really seamless open world sounds great i mean that's something we've never had as far as i'm correct me if i'm wrong in an assassin's creed game we've never had an open world kind of seafaring um adventure kind of i think on consoles really i don't think we've ever had a pirate game beyond the wind waker where you can sail the open sea and go explore random islands that sounds great um i mean it's It'll be interesting to see how that story holds up because I know certainly with the main character they they've tried to make him a bit more exciting, haven't they? Especially you know we all had complaints about Connor, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had complaints to be honest about the Assassin's Creed narrative pretty much consistently <laughs> all the way. Or, I mean, I liked yeah. two maybe, but other than that, they've kind of been spotty. I don't know if that has anything to do with the speed with which they come out but i yeah. mean three i guess was in longer development and that wasn't a lot better well arguably not any better um, <laughs> no so so yeah i'm not expecting an awful lot from the grand narrative but no yeah he does look a funner guy to be like more badass and stuff he's a pirate yeah, yeah. it's a pirate. that's that's a good start uh so i suppose the next thing to to sort of move on to would we were talking earlier about the difference between current gen and next gen and obviously that's something that's really important with batman and uh, assassin's creed where there's a current gen version and a next gen version coming out next month have you guys seen the footage of the the comparisons between say any next gen game and their current gen counterparts uh, uh, i've played battlefield 4 and current gen and seen next gen if that counts yeah no that's that's that that counts i mean do you think it's actually a valid reason to hold out and buy the next gen version because genuinely it looks miles ahead because certainly that's how it seems with some of them i mean assassin's creed is a really great example where looking at the footage of 360 and ps3 versions it kind of looks almost i mean what i said earlier earlier was it was like it's not quite hd it's Mm. like it's a bit fuzzy whereas when you go onto the ps4 version you're like dig God, that looks so detailed and crisp yeah. and, you know, it's beautiful. I mean, Sean, you were saying with Battlefield 4, I mean, what was kind of, what strikes you about the the differences between those two? 
<laughs> it's kind of with Battlefield. There's the, the the difference is staggering, quite frankly. Yeah, it's we, everything we've seen in Battlefield is obviously the showing of high end PC or yeah. next gen just to try and get people to go, oh, look shiny. Yeah, yeah. Then the beta came around, and it was almost like I, it was almost like they'd forgotten to put the textures in. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, they they sometimes pop in, don't they? Really late. Yeah. And they the just pop, yeah. everything was flat and boring and bland and grey, and there was there was no lighting and yeah. Ugh. I mean, does that does that to you guys actually almost justify next gen? You know, sort of picking up a next gen uh, console. Uh, I think yeah, somewhat. But just just before I move on, can I make Absolutely. a point? Absolutely, yeah. A, last thing I said, I used the word funner. And I can't let that go on challenge. That doesn't make any sense. It's more fun. I just can't, I don't want people think, thinking that's what I am. That's not what I am. It, it, it was it's... more fun to be to be that guy in four. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's fine. I, it it does. I it depends on the gap. I mean, I am yeah. a bit of a graphics whore. Uh, you know, deep down, even yeah. though I'm loath to admit it. Um, and I do kind of like the shiniest thing. And it is a big fact. I mean, I'm I'm yet to see what the new processing power can give us in terms of mechanical evolution. I mean, I guess maybe with, with Assassin's Creed's open world, but in theory, it's going to be the same on PS3. So yeah, for me, what I am looking for in, in next generation, as, just as it starts, I guess, before we get into the meat of what yeah. power can really do, the, the differentiating factor is going to be visuals. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. I mean, have you seen uh, The Order 1886? Uh, not since that um, beginning trailer, which I wasn't impressed by. Did you hear the um? Did you hear the tech behind that? No. Uh, apparently, that is the game. Those really? are the in-game models of the characters. Obviously, it was animated. Separately. Oh right, from that trailer, Jesus. Yeah, that was apparently. I mean, obviously, it's a cutscene, but it's in-game. The in-game engine. It's the in-game character models. It's Ooh. the in-game effects. It's the in-game gun models. You know, that is literally the game they've just sort of obviously animated the cutscene. That is literally the game. I mean, does that kind wow. of change your opinion on it a little bit? Well, no, that was that was certainly very impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, maybe I will have it. <laughs> we'll look at it in a second light. But, um, Are we talking yeah, about the order? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we've actually got like screenshots now, that now, don't we? Yeah, yes, yeah. Now. It does look very impressive. Yeah, it really is really very, very pretty. Although I have to admit, it looks a little bit third-person shootery now. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that I suppose that certainly from what they were saying about the gameplay, that does look like it, it's going to be a bit... Oh, I thought it was first-person. No, no. So I think is a third-person adventure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's I think like so. the way they originally described it. I thought it'd be more basically a platform-heavy Uncharted clone. Yeah. yeah, now it looks like an Uncharted clone. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, I think I mean even though I just said the opposite a minute ago, you know, a, a good-looking Uncharted clone. There are worse things to pick up at launch on a console. Although I oh, guess yeah. it isn't going to be It's not launch. No, no, no that's <laughs> no. Yeah, that's next year sometime, isn't it? Right. There are worse things to pick up next year. <laughs> And this is where Uncharted is uh, announced at E3, which it probably will be. And we're like, actually, no, screw everything. Let's just pick up Uncharted instead. Yeah. Uh, so I, ju- I just really need to see what Naughty Dog are doing next, because yeah. I want to see what they're pulling out of next gen. Do you reckon it's going to be E3 next year? Because uh, how many years has it been since Uncharted 3? I'm thinking, do we still have the video game awards this year? Yeah, just yes. uh, yeah. yeah, December. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, but well, aye, the VGS. I'm thinking we might get a teaser then, once the next yeah, one's actually, actually up and running. Do you That's, think they'll do a, um, another jump 
and just do another IP like they started Uncharted in this generation. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. Mm. Mm. I, I suppose, mind you, having said that, though, isn't Nathan Drake one of their mascots? He's like one of their most popular so. characters. So was Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, well, to be fair, I suppose. Then so was Jack and Daxter. Yeah. Do you think it's possible they'll almost split again into another team? I don't know, obviously, what their kind of manpower's like, but do you think we'll mm-hmm. have something where the main Uncharted team is working on something new and then we have almost like a splinter group or perhaps Sony gives Uncharted to someone else and says, you you have a go at Uncharted this time? Hey, that's what I can see happening. They give Uncharted to something else. Naughty Dog moves on to a new IP. Yeah. And then the second team, I can imagine the second team will still do something to do with The Last of Us in that yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, that would, that would make sense. But uh, we will kind of come on to that in more detail next month, obviously with the consoles being out. We'll sort of talk about that and see what we think of them because as far as I'm aware, you guys are picking them up, aren't you? Uh, I, I've not actually got the pre-order for the PS4 anymore. Um, I, I want to pick it up. Whether I'll have it by next month, I'm not sure. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm probably in the same boat, to be honest. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that next month. I mean, I suppose before we go, do, do you, with it being Halloween in a couple of days, do you uh, are you planning to sort of, pick up any horror games like outlast i know that was you know sort of out fairly recently and um what was the other one slender yeah i, I picked a couple of things up on the psn yeah hot sale but they're old games i got the resident evil trilogy at last yeah, yeah. because i wanted those on the vita but I, I don't know but above that i'm not sure i'm sure sean will be <laughs> me i have bought house of the dead 3 house of the dead 4 house of the dead overkill type <laughs> yeah. of the dead overkill yeah and the... amy because i've heard it's terrible <laughs> is it it's terrible horror in another way I, I haven't played it yet <laughs> film wise i also have ghost shark because why not you have what ghost, ghost shark? <laughs> how i can only be good yeah exactly clearly um Right, well, we will uh, call it a day there and uh, catch everyone next month. So we can be found on Twitter. I am at the wordy Ben. Ben, where are you? I'm at BenFox91. Sean is? Diehard Sean. Indeed. And uh, obviously we do have sort of other things we do outside of the podcast. Ben, you uh, record with Future Radio every Friday? Yeah, uh, every Friday, 3.30ish, I'm on. I'm only, I only do film reviews on there. I do it on someone else's thing. Um so yeah, Friday, 3.30ish, I guess. Mm-hmm, absolutely, sounds good. Everyone tune into that. Sean, you are a writer for Ready Up, so you are sort of fairly regularly posting, you know, sort of science-y things, aren't you? That's your kind of your biz with Ready Up. Sean! <laughs> is he gone? <laughs> Jesus! He's just not even there. Get off of this. This month's uh, lasers. No, <laughs> There we go, you're back. Uh, so yeah, lasers, that that would be awesome. So definitely check that out. And you can find my blog at Metro. Uh, just type in Metro Blogs Benjamin Abbott. You should be able to find it. Uh, I did something on Assassin's Creed, like I said, a few days ago. We'll be doing something on horror games and whether horror can work kind of in action games and whether actually that's a marriage that can work really well despite everyone's kind of moaning about it. So we will uh, catch you next month and uh, thank you very much for listening thanks ben thanks sean and thank you to solemn camel crew for providing our soundtrack make sure you hit them up on soundcloud or itunes in the meantime have a great month goodbye bye toodles bitches <laughs>